Welcome to Fostering Solutions, a podcast that uplifts people and enterprises making positive impact in communities around the world. I'm your host, Dr. Michelle Foster. Today, my guest is Dr. Chantelle Perry, a young lady I've known since she was a young a young girl. Uh, we attended the same church in Dunbar. Um, now she has gone on to do great things and is a data guru. So Chantel, Dr. Chantel, welcome. Thank you. Thanks for having me. It's so really good to see you. I have to say it's been such a long time since Ferguson, so I'm very excited to get to speak with you today. All righty. Thanks for making the time. So tell the audience about yourself. Who is Dr. Chantel Perry? There's so many different things. I guess I'll just start with, um, I'm a data scientist at a bank, at a Fortune 100 bank now. Um, I help build big data analytics solutions to stop fraud, hopefully before it happens and prevent fraud from happening for our nation's military members and their families. Um, I'm a data and technology advisor for small businesses. I help people um, implement technology in their business to enhance performance. Um, I'm also a mentor to uh, young minorities and uh, women who are trying to get into the tech field and who are interested in STEM, as well as an author and a speaker and so many different things. Awesome. Awesome. Now you are a Mountaineer, WVU grad, and you, your career, your educational life, even before your career, you pursued a number of science-related majors. Yes. You were, um, you studied math and stats and, and um, computer science. So what led you there? What led you on that journey? For sure. So basically when I was younger, I wanted to be in biomedical engineering. Um, I wanted to make prosthetic limbs. Um, I was very inspired by one of my cousins who I really looked up to. He um, had been involved in some, uh, so a, a gun shooting and um, he, he lost his leg. So he had to live like that for a long time. And I always wonder how different his life would be. He was just such a smart person. So I was very inspired to go and do that. And um, what ended up happening is I wanted to do that. And I got to high school and they were offering a computer science class at my school. And um, I wasn't the smartest or brightest crown in the box, but I wanted to do something that I thought was different and challenging. I was just super interested to see what was going on in the first computer science class offered at South Charleston High School. And at that time, I was the um, only minority to attend the class, the only girl to be in the class. Um, so it was very interesting to be in there and just be so different. But I was super amazed and just like blown away at the power of what computers can do as far as like the speed at which they can calculate and uh, handle large, um, large transactions and automation. So I ended up kind of being interested in computer science then, but I didn't really accept it. So I ended up going to um, WVU to go get my undergrad and um, I was in engineering at first. And while I was going through the program, I actually did pretty well in engineering. And um, for some reason, I just wasn't passionate about it. I wasn't working on the prosthetic limbs I thought I was gonna be working on. I was doing organic chemistry and physics, but I was very interested in the computer programming side of things. So I switched my major to computer science and I did struggle 
trying to get through computer science. However, I really just enjoyed what I was doing in that program. And at a certain point, I realized I had taken so much math being in like chemical engineering and being in computer science. I'm like, I could get out of school pretty easily. So I decided to go ahead and switch my major to math so I could um, graduate. And at the time I had no plans at all of getting my master's. I was like, I'm not about to be in school for a decade <laughs> doing all of this. <laughs> and so what ended up happening was um, I've always worked in Ghana school. Um, I've been working since I was like 15 years old. So I was um, working in my, I was a student worker at the time and my boss told me, hey, you know, we really want to keep you here. We love the hard work you're doing. We don't really want to train anybody else. Can you stay and we'll give you, um, give you a graduate assistantship. So I was like, okay, you know, I guess I can, you know, I wasn't getting any great job offers or anything at the time. I mean, I had a math degree. I, I really didn't have the best GPA and um, I didn't have a ton of references or anything like that either that would help me get into one of the tech jobs like the other students who were doing better could get. So I went ahead and took the graduate assistantship and um, I was able to get into the master's program for statistics on provisional admission. So. Um, basically, I, I did well, I could stay in, and um, it ended up being a much easier in the master's program for me than undergrad. Um, I feel like in a bachelor's program, sometimes they kind of make you learn a lot of different things at the same time, which was hard for me to concentrate on one thing. And so I got into the master's program, and I was very concentrated on that one area of the statistics, and I really enjoyed it, and I started to be able to piece together how I could use my background in computer science to automate statistics and be able to do a lot of different things in statistics. And um, what ended up happening after that was I ended up going into the PhD program for computer science because I wanted to move up in the industry I was working in. Mm -hmm. um, I was working in higher education administration, which was where I started out as a student worker. And um, I was starting to get attention for being able to do predictive analytics, for being able to automate reporting. And I started to become like really great in that field, but I wanted to move up into management so I could then help other people learn and utilize what I was learning. And um, I was told I had to get my PhD for that. And again, I was like, oh gosh, PhD, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> But I went ahead and got my PhD in something that I enjoyed, which was computer science. And it kind of all happened at like the perfect time during when all of this big data era started where everybody's online and they're going virtual and they're on their phones. And these companies are having issues with trying to aggregate and understand all of this data and analyze it. So it's just hap so happened that my statistics and computer science background kind of came together. Like God just like made this data science thing just for me. So that's awesome. And I think you're, you're a great example of someone who didn't necessarily have great grades all the time, but you were, you were still able to succeed. So what, like what encouragement, what advice do you have for, for someone in, in high school right now who's thinking, oh gosh, I don't want to get a PhD. And like, what advice would you have for them? 
I think that uh, sometimes that that vision is hard to see when you're younger, but I would say that just because maybe you're having it rough right now, that doesn't define what's going to happen for you in the future and um, never sell yourself short. Um, Definitely think about what you want in the future and think about like, hey, um, it's doable. Anything is doable. Um, it might take a long time. It might take some work and it's, it has to be broken down into tiny steps, but anything is doable with hard work. And, and, you know, pretty much you have to choose between what hard work you want to do. Cause when you don't go to school, you're going to have, you know, a harder time with income and things like that. Whereas if you do go to school, it's going to be hard, but at least you have the chance to, you know, have a better income and, you know, a better lifestyle, what have you. So you just have to, like they say on social media, choose your hard. And I think that, you know, just keep that in the back of your mind. It's, it's going to be hard either way. Which hard do I want to live, right? So, Very good point. Study now in, or just be working, you know, right. harder later in life. Absolutely. So you're not only a data scientist, you're a data um, and technology advisor, even a tech author. Very, very impressive. Describe how your career has has evolved over the years, your career trajectory. For sure. So I started out more um, as a student worker. I used to work in retail and um, I also used to work at the church. I was in, I used to be a receptionist (laughs) part-time at the daycare. So I've had um, jobs more so on the side of uh, retail and things like that. And um, when I was a student worker, I guess I just kind of got curious and I wanted to be able to utilize my skill set more. So I would take what I learned from school and put it um, into what I did at my job. And I think I mentioned before, I had a really difficult time getting internships due to my GPA. However, there's a lot of people who who have a difficult time with technology and math that are in other fields. So I would always get um, other students, um, especially master students who were doing research who needed help. And I started to kind of think, okay, like, you know, let me tutor them and help them where I'm really good. And uh, it ended up turning into me doing research on the side of my job and being in school, which was a lot, but I was able to do um, statistical analysis, quantitative research for graduate researchers which um, they would also refer me to other, you know, nonprofits and other um, organizations to help with their research. And a lot of this for me was volunteer. Every blue moon I would charge, but I was really afraid to charge. (laughs) But what that did for me was um, I actually started my own small business in college so I could take that and use the references and have that on my resume because I knew that I couldn't get the internships. So I was utilizing that, to get references along with my job to be able to just apply what I've learned to understand it better while also getting what I needed to be able to get ahead in the industry. So I utilized that and then um, I I was able to actually get a job working in institutional research in higher education in Texas in Corpus Christi. So I went there I ended up just kind of hopping around at a bunch of different institutional research um, institutions in Texas. I was very, uh, very much in demand due to my automation skills. Mm -hmm. I would definitely say when I went to conferences, people would know who I was and say, that's, we want her on our team and they'd all be at my workshops and stuff like that. So that was nice. Um, 
I would just basically uh, help and go to these workshops, give out these free workshops to get my name out there, make sure that I was sharing knowledge for free so I would be known. And um, eventually, once I wanted to kind of like move over to the industry, I was able to take a lot of that, um, that knowledge that I had to be able to apply it to get into the industry, to get into um, financial services and be on a data science team. Um, it's really, really odd, um, kind of like my story about getting into data science, because I get a lot of people asking me, like, how do I get in? And um, when I went in, I was just a consultant. I, I wasn't planning on staying there full time. I had never had intentions of being hired on full time. It wasn't a, a work like one of those contract to hire jobs. It was just you come in. We have this system. You need to improve it. When I went over to the industry, and so I came in and I improved the system. I did such a great job that they offered, you know, to interview me for a job. And then they ended up switching me to full time. And at that time, um, we were on. We, our team was doing really innovative work in the industry, and um, I actually was just one of the few people on the team that had a PhD. Um, it was me, um, my, my other um, colleague, Paul, Dr. Williams, and uh, my boss. Um, once We actually had a boss that left, and so my new boss, he, uh, he also had a PhD, and he was somebody who was, um, we were equals at the time, but I told him that, you know, I'm ready to, you know, basically I said, I'm ready to get paid for what I'm, the work we're doing in here. And we don't have the titles for that. So if we can't get the titles, I'm going to have to go somewhere else that's going to pay me for that work. <laughs> Just as the easiest way I can explain it's it. It's like knowing your worth. It's like all of a sudden you, you realized your worth. Yeah. Yeah. But it was funny because, um, at the time, they were doing this great work way before I had come in. So everybody on the team before I was even there had deserved these data science titles and they deserved that money. But for some strange reason, I came in thinking like, oh, you know, I deserve <laughs> this title. And so um, we had to we had to fight for it. We had to go up to these tech panels and do interviews and it was me and Paul and my boss, and we had to go in and show, hey, this is the work we're doing. This is why our team deserves them. And um, it was funny because we're in enterprise security. And the way that it works where I'm at is once you get those titles, anybody in the whole department can use them. And at that time, nobody in enterprise security was able to utilize the data science title. So we worked for probably like, it had been like four months straight, we were trying to get these titles. And finally, one day they were like, you proved it, we're going to grant them to you. And I became the first person with the data science title in enterprise security at USAA. So it was a lot, it's been a long journey. It's a lot. So talk, so how would you define data science? Like what is, who describe, you know, the whole, the, the whole profession? Like, what do you do as a data scientist? Sure. So data science to me, when I describe it out, is kind of like, you know, data analytics on steroids, whereas in higher education, when I used to work, the data sets were much smaller. You could really, they were really work withable. You didn't have to worry about having answers in real time. Mm -hmm. um, you didn't have to worry about like really odd data structures. And I'll give you a good example. For instance, um, in fraud, when you're going and you're transacting, right, you're buying something at a store, 
Mm-hmm. And uh, you have a fraudster out here who's also transacting with your card. You would want that to get stopped before they mm-hmm. actually were able to purchase whatever they were about to purchase, right? Mm-hmm. So to be able to do that in real time and stop them and um, understand if that transaction is you or not you, you're taking a ridiculous amount of information in a small amount of time. And you got to think this is happening What to millions and billions of people are swiping their card at the same time. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot of moving parts as far as like, just what your hardware has to look like, what, how you have to stream the data quickly, the algorithms that are trying to go in and calculate and understand it's, it's called big data is the issue that you're trying to solve here. So it kind of stems a little bit further away from when you're doing a research study and you're reporting on a, a data set that you're given and it's the Excel spreadsheet. It just, it's, it's basically like a, just a, a different type of challenge, right? So mm-hmm. that's what data scientists do. We, we basically take these really difficult, big data sets in like, you know, fast real-time manners for some of us. Some of, it's, some of us, we're dealing with image data text data, speech, you know, um, voice data, trying to basically analyze that and process that quickly. So these are just very challenging problems that data scientists have to deal with. And that's what kind of like stems this and breaks it apart from just um, data analytics. Fascinating. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, it was a mouthful. No, no, that's, it's just, it's it's just fascinating. so, and we kind of may have already touched on this some, um, where you where you said you uh, you have to choose your heart, but how can we inspire more young people who look like us to get into STEM careers? Like, what 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 words of inspiration would you have for them? Um, someone who is, may not know what they want to, yeah. what area of study they want to get in. How, how would you kind of nudge them towards STEM? I would say that um, don't be afraid of something that's challenging. Anything that you practice at and that you work hard at, you're, it's going to become easier, right? So everything you start off at, it's, it, usually you, you're terrible when you first start. Mm-hmm. Um, just because you don't feel like it's naturally given to you doesn't mean it's not for you. And I also think from a perspective of being, you know, a thought leader in the field, we have to do a better job of trying to make things easier and more digestible for people. So I I try to, when I wrote my book, which was one of the reasons I wrote the book, I noticed like, you know, I'm reading these textbooks. I don't relate to any of this stuff. This is really hard for me to digest. And I took what I knew from the teachers that were really great to me and really broke things down for me. And I try to put that into my book and I try to put that into what I put out into the world for people to help them understand. It's really only as hard as you make it to be. So I feel like from a educator perspective, um, there's definitely work to do to kind of make it more digestible for um, the youth to be to want to go into these fields, right? Make things more interesting, more fun, simpler, so they don't feel like it's an impossible feat all the time. But mm-hmm. those are the ways that I think about it. It's making it more digestible. Okay. And you mentioned your book. You you're a best-selling tech author. 
So what led to the, you know, to you writing the book? Where did you find the time to write a book? So talk about the book and how it came to be and, you know, what's the name of it and all that stuff. So I was inspired to start the Data Newbie to Guru series because um, I honestly had no idea that I was going to get this influx of um, people on social media when I first got on. I'm still kind of like taking a break from social because sometimes it's so overwhelming, but um, I just got an influx of people reaching out for help. And I was like, I can't help everybody um, at a low affordable cost at the same time. Like, how can I make this, how can I take what I have in here and give it to the world at an affordable rate, but also in a quick manner that helps them get into the field fast. Mm -hmm. So I wrote Data Newbie to Guru, basically to help people who wanted to get into data quickly, get their foot in the door and learn the one skill that helped me through my whole career. And to me, that, um, that language or that one skill that I've used at every job since pretty much the beginning of the time that I started working in any type of analytics was um, SQL, which is a, a programming language to mm -hmm. manipulate databases. Very easy language to learn. Um, I actually wrote it with my mother. She's an editor on there. And she even was like, oh man, I'm learning while I'm reading this. It's actually not as bad as I thought it was, which is typically the response I get from people who go into <laughs> science when they're doubting themselves. But um, really it was just a demand and finding the time was more so just out of like my passion for wanting to help because um, my mission or what I used to say all the time, I still say it just in different ways is that um, my passion is really storytelling with data and telling the story that's behind data, but my purpose is helping others succeed in life. And without actually doing that, I wouldn't be fulfilled. And I knew that there was just something that needed to happen. There needed to be a black woman in the tech field with a, a book that could touch other people. So they not they don't just see, hey, you know, I'm getting this education, but I'm getting it from somebody that looks like me and this is doable for me, so. Mm -hmm. Awesome, awesome. So what do you know now um, that you wish you knew what you, when you were a student at WVU? It's like, what, what do you know now that you wish you knew back then? Man, I tell people this all the time, Dr. Foster, like <laughs> marketing is the key. So marketing is your shot anywhere. Interesting. Yeah. Yes. If you know, or you can pinpoint, even as a person, you're your own small business running around. If you know your target audience, what problem you're trying to solve and how you're going to solve it with your skills, and you can really hone in and concentrate on that, like you can get far because I remember applying for jobs and being like, oh my God, nobody's looking at my resume. And then at a certain point I said, you know what? I'm just gonna focus on being a director in institutional research at a higher education facility. That's it, not going outside the bounds, higher education, director in IR. The minute I made that decision, I started to get these interviews. And then even though I might not get all of the job offers, mm -hmm. I started to realize, okay, they're asking the same questions. I'm 
starting to get my resume in the door more because now I'm starting to hone in on the issue. Mm-hmm. And now I'm starting to get job offers because I'm able to go in and impress them right off the bat because I have the solutions up front and I'm able to present like, hey, this is you, this is your problem, I know you. So I felt like self-marketing and just really niching down was a huge mm-hmm. thing. And that if I would have known if I, when I was younger, I, I think I'd have been, <laughs> I would have made it to where I'm at much faster. <laughs> Awesome. Awesome. So what's next for you? Um, What's next for me, I think is a, I'm working on a project that I have called the data collection, where I'm helping small business owners with data and tech advisory, but I'm focusing my energy more on um, beauty and wellness. Um, I'm hoping that I get people who are, you know, minority women, because I see that there's a lot going on in the uh, in social media and just out here in media in general that's impacting young women. And I wanna be able to help us feel more confident in a different type of way and study what's going on and kind of like document history from a beauty and wellness perspective in a digital manner, rather than just you know having a history book, but actually seeing what's going on and utilizing the media that we have to understand our society a little bit better. But my mission is always to help my minority women um, understanding and be more confident in themselves to go out and want to be in fields like um, STEM tech. Right, right. So would you say that's what sets your soul on fire? Is that what kind of gives you that, um, that joy and that sense of fulfillment? Helping. For sure. Yes. It always feels good when somebody reaches out and they're like, hey, you really meant a lot to me. I want to talk to you. Oh my God, that advice you gave. I now have my internship and like just to see, like almost like seeing yourself in them and they're doing this great thing. And I'm, I, I hope they propel past me. I hope they do way better than me. That would just make me, that would make my life. That's awesome. Yeah. Any parting words? Um, I would say that probably the biggest thing throughout my life has always been like the struggle with myself. I kind of don't even look at being a minority and a woman um, and from a low income background the same way anymore. Like I, I used to think that, oh, you know, those things really hinder and they stop you. And in some instances they do, but honestly, I feel like the biggest hinderer can be yourself. And I think that um, working on self-confidence and shutting out those outside things and not letting them stop you um, is the most important. Making sure that, you know, you can win the battle with you is the best battle that you can fight. Awesome words. Awesome words. How did you get so wise? <laughs> I am so much. I yeah. have so many grannies, <laughs> but I love they teach me so much. I just listen to them and learn from them, and mm-hmm. you know they they want to help people that are um you know your grannies want to help you, and I feel like you should listen. They know what they're talking about. They've been through it. Yeah, <laughs> Try not to. Right. Absolutely. <laughs> Thank you so much, Dr. Chantel Perry. It's been a pleasure chatting with you and learning about your career as a data scientist. And you're certainly an inspiration, not only to me, but I'm I'm sure you will be to others when they listen to this. Thank you so much. 
Thank you as well. I'm so honored to have, I mean, I'm so honored that you had me and thank you for allowing me to serve your audience. It's really a pleasure. All righty. Take care. You too. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.